0: This is the Relevant Life Church podcast, where we are about connecting with God, relating to people, and reaching our world. Tune in as our church goes through this week's teaching in God's Word. Seated today, God bless you. Look at, look at you, uh, happy faces, smiley faces. Good to see you guys. I'm um, glad that you're here this morning. We're continuing on with our series, Crash Course. Everyone say Crash Course. Uh, We're not going to crash into anybody today, but we're going to talk about this crash course. Uh, I want to thank Pastor Larry for preaching last week. Larry did an amazing job. Last week, what a powerful word, powerful word. If you missed that, please go on and uh, watch that, go on and listen to that, the, the, the message about serving, that, that we as believers have a responsibility to serve, and he did a great job in dialoguing that. This Crash Course uh, series that we're in is, is a series that uh, really kind of points us back to why the church exists. It comes back and goes, why are we here? Why, why have you gathered in this place? Why have you gathered online? Why do we gather week after week after week? Why do we serve the purpose of the church? Why do we serve the purpose of Jesus? This, this Crash Course is basically a sum up of the six reasons that we step into and why we serve the purposes of Jesus Christ, the, the, the founder of the church. Crash Course is this, a rapid and intense course of study. A course that teaches you a lot of basic facts in a very short Amount of time. Maybe some of you today are going, you know, Pastor Kevin, I've heard these over and over and over again. Can I tell you that uh, I think that we as humanity can kind of step into uh, this mindset that we have it all mastered, that we have Scripture memorized, or that we have, we're have we familiar with a passage of Scripture. And I, what I want to challenge you today is if you're not living the truths of these sermons, if you're not living the truths of God's Word, how many can say you still need God's Word? right? You know, it's, it's something that we need to, unless you've mastered it, and if, if you've mastered it, please tell me how you've got there, because I'm still working on it. But we've been talking about this aspect of Crash Course and giving you a lot of data in a really quick amount of time, and we've been talking about the church, and I want to show this B2 video before we begin. entity, it's not a building, it's a group of people, and Jesus came to build that church, and so we're going to give you some principles this morning. We asked this tension question early on, what kind of church would my church be if every member were just like me? And That's not intended to be poetry, even though it comes out that way. I'm really good at that, right? Thank you, thank you. I got one vote. Uh, what kind of church would my church be if every church, if every member were just like me? And we've been asking this question repeatedly throughout the weeks. And la- uh, a couple weeks ago, what kind of church would my church be if every member reached the lost just like me, realizing that you are the evangelist, that you are the sole winners? What would our church look like if everyone were reaching the lost just like you? What kind of church would my church be if every member served? Just like me. What kind of activities? What kind of functions would we have? What kind of ministries would we fulfill? What would take place on a Sunday if everyone were serving just like you? Today we're kind of tackling a new uh, one of the other ones here and it was the line in our video that says discipleship is the key that grew the people that filled the church that Christ built. Discipleship is the key that grew the people. How many say I want to grow? We don't want to grow this way. We want to grow spiritually, right? Uh, We want to grow in him. So today the title of my message is Save People, Save People, Grow and Change. Save people, grow and change. I think there's a misunderstanding of what we oftentimes paint as salvation or we paint as this idea of being a Christ follower. We think that Christ did everything, which he did. Are we not thankful for it? We sang about it this morning that he died on a cross and he rose again from the grave, that he gave us this gift of salvation. But there's something that God expects of us, and that's this thing called discipleship. It's this thing called if you're saved, you're going to grow and you're going to change and you're going to become more and more like Jesus. Jesus and less and less like yourself, less and less like you used to be. Uh, What kind of church would my church be if every member grew and discipled just like me? That's the question we're going to ask this morning. What kind of church would this be if, if you were the only one that were growing or not growing or discipling or not discipling? There's a lot of confusion, a lot of misunderstandings about this aspect of discipleship, and we want to kind of unveil some of this this morning. But I'm going to start off really quickly with some really tension points. How many are ready for some tension? Uh, I'm going to stir the pot here really quick, and I'm going to speak to, uh, because I'm speaking to disciples, I'm speaking to followers of Christ, amen? And so I want to challenge you today in your thinking. In the life of, Christ, of, of the Christ follower, there are two causes of plateau and decline. Two causes of plateau and decline. Two, two places of where you just level out and you quit growing or where you actually decline in God. And there are two things of this. Number one is that you no longer are aimed at God's purposes. Has your Christianity, has your life become so consumed with you that you forgot about serving? That you've omitted discipleship, that you've omitted evangelism, that you've omitted worship? Have you stepped into a place that you're just perfunctory and you forgot about the purposes of God? Which leads to, number two, you're inwardly focused. You're self-absorbed. Your life is about you. You don't necessarily plan about living a Christian life. you Come to church on Sundays. We come and we pray our prayer and we like our little now an and 15 minute service or we'll check online and we'll watch our service or we'll watch our podcast or we might do our little devotions but we become more self-absorbed and not God-absorbed. Our lives are more about us than they are about God. Our lives are about our comfort and our kingdom rather than about God's kingdom. Again, it goes back, they tie hand in hand. Warren Wearsby writes this, he says, there are dead, uh, de- the five deadly sins of Christians. Five deadly sins, let me say, of unhealthy Christians. Number one is apathy, a lack of interest, a lack of interest or enthusiasm or concern about the mission of loving God and loving people. So when you step back in your life, would you look at your life and ask yourself this question, is there a sense of apathy in my life? Do I care about God like I used to? Do I care about people like I used to? Number two is pride and arrogance to be higher or better than, to forget your need of God. You become argumentative and unteachable. Can I tell you that I think the older we become in Christ, we either have a tendency to become argumentative, that we have all the answers and prideful, or we come to a place of realizing how much we desperately need God. Where are you at? What are, on that spectrum, where are you? And number three is disunity, conflict, lack of harmony, there's strife often displayed in a passive-aggressive behavior. Anybody function passive-aggressively sometimes in your life? Got three of you nodding your heads. Everyone else is lying. That passive-aggressive, that let's take a side swipe, that's kind of, let's not be direct, let's not uh, confront where there needs to be confrontation. And you know, the thing that is amazing to me in this passive-aggressive behavior is that oftentimes people don't want direct conversation. They don't want to be challenged because they're all right with god can i tell you that oftentimes is a symptom and evidence in our lives of not of being an unhealthy christian another one is judgmental attitudes rushing to judgment without facts anybody rush to a judgment without facts uh, rush to a judgment without facts about people in the church or outside the church about circumstances in the church or circumstances outside of the church last one is disobedience the failure to obey or to submit to Scripture, or to authority. Today, we don't like that idea of de- obedience. We don't like that idea of even submitting. Our, ca- our culture, we have, uh, you know, when we talk about a cancel culture, we're trying to cancel submission. We're trying to cancel obedience. Can I tell you today that Jesus came and he says, I'm not canceling obedience, I'm declaring obedience. I'm not canceling the power of Scripture and submission. I'm declaring the power that it, is, that it needs to be in your life. And it comes back to this fact in our lives of, are we living a life that's obedient or disobedient? Testing yourself, asking yourself these questions. Signs you are not growing. You're quick to pick up anger or to pick up an offense. You complain or criticize often. You're controlled by your own preferences. You are constantly dissatisfied and striving for something. You are prideful with your head knowledge rather than heart change. You elevate people or ideals over God. Isn't that what's happening in our society today? We elevate everyone's preferences over what God declares. You lack accountability and community. You have insulated yourself from the impact of real life. Your relational time with God is, is, has become shallow. You are an emotional believer wanting an emotional experience. Remember those moments of emotion Remember those moments when God shows up and touches your life and you want to just live in those moments? How many realize that that's not real real life? We don't just have our honeymoon every single day. We don't just have this moment of happiness every single day. Real life happens. How many have discovered in the last 15 months that real life happens and that real life is not always easy and real life is not always fun? But can I tell you the the, the believer, the one that's solid, the one that's, that's not shallow, the one that's pressing on, the healthy believer is going to stand and stand there for. Tony Robbins says this if you're not growing, you are dying. If you're not growing, you are dying. So I ask you this morning as Christians, as Christ followers, as disciples of Jesus Christ, can I tell you what oftentimes as you read articles about this, I did a lot of research between, about disciples, and a lot of people try to separate the two. Before Christians, before the name Chris, Christ, little Christ came up, the word disciple was the one that overarched everything. Jesus talked about his disciples, and can I tell you that God does not come out and go, okay, well, you're a Christian and you're my disciple. He doesn't separate the classes. He says, you're a Christian or you're a disciple. You're my follower. You're a learner of me. Either you're growing or you're dying. Some of the most miserable people that you meet are those that live this externally, uh, external Christian life, but they never allow their heart to be changed. They don't allow God to get in and do something deeper in their lives. In every story of the, in, God's, in Scripture uh, where someone meets Jesus, that person is changed. I could sit here and I could list character after character after character. And what I want to ask you this morning is, how, depending on how old you are in Christ, whether it's two days, two weeks, two years, 20 years, are you different than what you were? Have you grown? Have you changed? Have you adjusted? God expects us to grow. God plans for us to grow. All throughout Scripture, he encourages personal examination. Lamentations chapter 3 says this, Let us test and examine our ways. When's the last time you just paused and tested and examined your ways, examined your behavior, examined your thoughts, examined how you function in life, examined how you prioritize and what you prioritize? Haggai 1.5 says this, Now therefore, says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Think about what you're doing. Consider how you're behaving. Consider how you're living your life. Galatians chapter 6 says, uh, But let each one of us test his own work. Test his own ability. Test his own serving. Test their own life in accordance with God. Ephesians 5.15 says, Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. I could pull out probably 10 other scriptures that would come and parrot these these words, but I picked the four that are kind of highlighted the most. We have to step back as believers to consider our ways. We need to step back and go, where am I as a Christ follower, and where am I in that process? For you to understand, growth is a process, not a program. I don't know about you today, but uh, I know that in my generation, there were discipleship programs, and you'd step into a discipleship program, and I'm not knocking those programs I taught those programs, I participated in those programs, and I grew from those programs. But I want to tell you today that discipleship is a process. It's something that you surrender and submit to on a regular basis. It's a stepping in and allowing God to shape your life, not just completing and getting a check mark at the end of a program. Discipleship is lifelong. It takes intentional, active involvement. How many have heard this statement that healthy things grow? Right? Healthy things grow. How many believe that? How many know that? A healthy baby's going to grow. A healthy plant's going to grow. A healthy animal's going to grow. But can I tell you today that unhealthy things grow also. That's why we have weeds that are rampant around the world. So we can step back and we can go, no, healthy things grow, but so do unhealthy things. And you have to look at your life and go back to these passages of Scripture and go, what is healthy in me and what is unhealthy in me? Because you may be growing healthy, but you may be also be growing unhealthy. Everyone in this room has this thing in their lives called sin. And if you feed the sin, how many know that you're going to grow the sin? If you feed the godlikeness, you're going to grow the godlikeness. How many want to be a mushroom or how many want to be an oak tree? As we see our picture back here. I would prefer to be an oak tree than I would be a mushroom. I don't want to be a fungus. Anybody want to be a fungus? Maybe you are a fungus. Just kidding. No, I'm just kidding. But can I tell you that a mushroom grows in six hours, whereas a healthy oak tree grows in 60 years? Are you wanting to have a rapid growth and be a fungus, or do you want to have a slow growth and be a hard piece of hardwood? You know, I think of oak trees, and I think of over at South Campus, if you're familiar with our campus, uh, we have uh, two oak trees on our property that are protected oak trees in the city of Salem. There's an oak, oak tree society in our, in our state, and those oak trees are over 60 years old. They cannot be pruned unless we consult. They cannot be uh, cut down. I mean, they're protected Why? Because it's an oak tree that has this heritage that has something in it. I don't see anybody worrying about the mushrooms in your yard when you mow your grass. (laughs) You're trying to figure out how do you get rid of the mushrooms, am I correct? We could care less about that, but we have to step in and go, do we want to be a mushroom or do we want to be a an oak tree? Do we want that as our life? Becoming like Christ is a long and a slow process. It is something that is a day in and day out decision. It's a moment-by-moment decision. And that's why it's so important that we ask ourselves these questions. It's why we we step back and look at the five areas of an unhealthy Christian and go, am I, where's that, is that evident in my life? If we were all honest in this room, there would be glimmers of unhealth in all of us that we need to step back and we need to realign and we need to reaffiliate ourselves with the principles of God. Matthew chapter 10 says this, a disciple is not above his teacher nor a slave above his master. It is enough for the disciple that he become like his teacher. Everyone say, it is, it is enough. It is enough. The goal of your life is that you become like your teacher. The goal of your life is not that you become like Pastor Kevin or Pastor Trenton or Pastor Sasser or Pastor Alley. The goal of your life as a Christ follower is to become like Christ. That you become like him, that you reflect him. The ancient Greeks had disciples in, rel- in the realm of philosophy. Plato, often called the father of philosophy, developed a system of thought that related to the finding the, the meaning of life. Plato discipled his student Aristotle, who, looked, who took what he had learned and built gymnasiums or academies. When we use the word gymnasium in this context, it was not a, an arena for athletic abilities, it was an arena for learning. It was an arena to gather and to listen to the philosophers and to learn from the philosophers. In the ancient world, gymnasiums uh, gathered people to teach students Plato's thought and system developed by Aristotle. The students thus trained were, were, that were trained were gymnatized, which is the verb form of this Greek word gymnasium. So successful was this discipling process that it allowed the Greeks to influence the whole entire Greco-Roman world. This process was called Hellenization, in which people who were not Greek began to adopt Greek thinking, language, and culture. So I want you to step back, and so here we step into this context. We step into this idea of disciple. Before Je- and Jesus appears on the planet, and he goes, I'm going to... Call people as my disciples. Rabbis were using this term as disciples. And he would gather them, not in gymnasiums. He would gather them in the mountains and in the fields. He would gather them on the streets. And he would begin to communicate and preach the Sermon on the Mount. And teach on different things. Trying to change their way of thought. To change their way of thinking. To go, no, this is... He, he, they realize the power of what you thought and how it can change a society. Paul writes in 1 Timothy chapter 4, he says, you have nothing to do, uh, have, excuse me, have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales. Rather, train yourself. Everyone say, train yourself. train yourself. Train yourself to be godly. Can I? In this passage of Scripture, Paul comes and he says, you don't just become godly. You don't just wake up in the morning and go, I'm godly today. You don't come and pray the sinner's prayer and immediately result in being godly. Paul comes and he says, train yourself in godliness, train yourself to be godly. He's used it, This word train here is actually exercise yourself. Live a life of exercise that is training yourself towards godliness. He goes on in verse 8, he says, for, for physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things. How many know that you can go out and you can physically train and you can be all buff and all cool with your abs and all that sort of stuff, but you're going to die and your body's gonna rot. You're not taking that body with you. Now, I'm not knocking it. We need to treat our bodies as living, as, as, a, as a temple of the Holy Spirit. But Paul is coming and declaring, more importantly, to train yourself in godliness, to get in the gymnasium of faith, to get in the arena of faith and knowledge and understanding and learning and grasping. This word, disciple as we define it is, as a noun, is to be a student or to be a learner. Everyone say a learner. learner. Are you a learner? Do you learn? Do you, I'm not talking about just learning your job, but do you step into your faith and learn about God? Do you learn of God? Are you allowing yourself to be put in an arena? Can I tell you, in 2020, in the first part of 21, we were put into an arena to test our faith. Am I not Correct. We were put in an arena to go, how are we going to fare? What that should reveal to you and to me, what it revealed blatantly in my own life, was my shortcomings in my discipleship and my learning of Christ Jesus. Not only is it a learner, but as a verb, it means that you're to train others, it means that you're not just to be educated, you're to educate. You're not just to learn, you're to help other people learn. You're to, your life is to be something that is this multiplier. So when we think of a disciple, we think of one who learns, who, who grasps knowledge, but who also steps out to multiply others. And I ask you today, are you a learner and are you multiplying someone else? Because if you're calling yourself a disciple, if you're calling yourself a Christian, immediately that puts us in this de- definition of a learner. A learner and a multiplier, a learner, and a multiplier, a learner, and a multiplier. So we step back into the definition of an unhealthy Christian. Have you become apathetic about learning and about multiplying? Have you become disobedient about learning and multiplying? We have to look at our lives and evaluate them. In our current culture, we talk about this idea of discipling someone or being discipled by someone if you notice this language it actually becomes self-absorbed self-focused that someone else is doing the work for us but when we look at the word disciple it's not what someone does for you it's what you do for yourself it's not that Jesus came and said let me spoon feed you he came and he gave the harsh principles did he not he came and brought this, the, the roughness of following Christ Jesus. Growing in your faith can be encouraged by others, but ultimately you have to own it personally. Growing in your faith can be encouraged. It can be inspired. You can come to church on a Sunday, and I encourage you to do so whether here or on camera. And you can be inspired, and you can be encouraged, and you can hear the Word of God. But can I tell you, you're not a disciple until you take what you've heard and you learn it, and you apply it to your life. There's got to be this principle in our lives that how do we step in and take ownership of it? Hebrews chapter 5 tells us this. We have so much to say about all of this, but it is hard to make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, discipling others, I'm going to say, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Let me ask you today. We like to presume that we are really good at distinguishing good from evil. But I guarantee that probably there's times in our lives that we are not so distinguishing in how we do so. There are sometimes, there's probably evil within our hearts and evil within our attitudes. And the way that that comes about, the way that that is changed is that we're eating this solid food from the mature and we're training ourselves so that we can distinguish ourselves. God's goal for us, Hebrew, or Ephesians chapter four. Ephesians chapter four, I'm gonna read a passage of scripture to kind of just to continue to set this setting and then I have four simple points that I'm gonna to get to. Ephesians chapter four. It says, so Christ himself gave these gifts to the church for what? To equip his people. Everyone say, "Equip." equip. to equip his people. The purpo- Your purpose in life is to be equipped for works of service. Your purpose in life is to be equipped for works of service. Until we all reach unity or the, excuse me I, uh, so that the body of Christ may be built up, this will continue until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of our Son, of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love. Everyone say, speaking the truth in love. Can I tell you that we need to receive the truth in love? Hello? How many need to receive the truth in love? Can I tell you that oftentimes we can speak the truth in love, but anybody get their hackles up when someone speaks to you in love? Anyone steps across your boundary of going, you don't have a right to speak into my life? Instead of speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every aspect the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ from him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each, one, as each part makes it work. So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do. So again, here Paul is coming and he's writing to this church in Ephesus and he's saying, you are no longer a Gentile, you are now a Christian, you are now a disciple of Christ. No longer should you be thinking like the Gentiles. No longer does your thinking identify you as a Gentile. This futility of thinking, you should be thinking as a disciple. They are darkened in their understanding and they're separated from the life of God because of their ignorance that that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity and they are full of greed. I want you to recognize here that Paul is talking really harshly to a group of people. He's talking to a, harshly to a church in Ephesus basically saying, no, you have stepped back into the futility of thinking as a Gentile. You're no longer thinking like a disciple. You're no longer thinking like a Christ follower. You have adopted the mindset of the world. You're running after these things that only the world has to offer. And I would ask you this morning, as Paul is speaking really directly, As I'm speaking really directly today, where are you thinking in the futility of a Gentile? Where has your mindset been settled? The older we get, the more set in our ways we become. Young, we're a little bit just lost in the way that we do think. Can I tell you, if we don't align our thinking with Jesus Christ, it's futile. Verse 20, he goes on, he says, that however is not the way of life you've learned. When you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self. Everyone say, put off your old self. Put which is being corrupted by his deceitful desires and, uh, to, and to be made new in your attitude of your minds and to put on the new self. Everyone say, put on the new self. The new self. Can I tell you today that that's discipleship? It's daily putting off the old and daily putting on the new. Discipleship means to grow and to change, letting go of the old patterns of life and picking up the new patterns of life. Maybe you've heard the story or the process of how they would capture monkeys in uh, other countries where the monkeys were at, South America and all those sorts of things. They'd put a pot, they'd bury a pot in the ground with a small opening and they'd put food in the bottom of that pot and that food would give an aroma And the monkey would reach in and grab the food and the captor would come and throw a net over them because they were unwilling to let go of the food that was in their hand. If they would only have opened their hand and let go of the food, they could have got away. That's the concept of being attached to the old way of life. Many of us are grabbing on to the old way of life rather than letting go of the old way of life that we can grasp hold of the new way of life. And what's difficult in our lives is I can see it in my own life. I can see it over these last several months, over the last year even, of seeing patterns of old behavior that I have to choose to let go of in order to grab hold of what God has for me. And the question I I have to ask ask you today is this. Are you able to let go of what you are in order to become what you are meant to be? Are you willing to let go of what you are in order to become what God has intended you to be. We have this beautiful picture of what a disciple is. We have this beautiful picture of God's intended plan for our lives. But can I tell you this? Regardless of how long you've been saved, regardless of how long you've encountered Christ, if you don't continue to let go of the old, you will never grasp the new. Turn with me to Luke chapter 2. I did put it on a slide. If you have your Bibles and want to look at Luke chapter 2, I didn't put the whole scripture there, but I want to read it to you to give you context. Matthew, Mark, Luke. I'll get my old man glasses on. Early part of Jesus' life, it says, and the child grew and he became strong and he was filled with wisdom and the grace of God was on him. What a, what a, uh, way to describe. How many would love to have that description of you? And he grew and he became strong. He was filled with wisdom and the grace of God was on him. It says, Every year Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up to the festival according to the custom after the festival was over while his parents were returning home the boy Jesus stayed in Jerusalem but they were unaware of it thinking he was in their company they traveled on for a day then they began looking for him among their relatives and their friends when they did not find him they went back to Jerusalem looking for him after 3 days they found him in the temple court sitting among the teachers listening to them and asking them these questions or asking them questions everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers when his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why were you. And he says, why were you searching for me? He said, didn't you know that I'd be in my father's house? But they did not understand and he was what he was saying. They went down to Nazareth with them, or excuse, then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them, but his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus grew, everyone say Jesus grew, Jesus grew in wisdom, in stature, and in favor with God and with man. This is important because when we step back and we look at the life of Jesus Christ, we automatically think he was Jesus. He was the Son of God. What did he have to learn? What did he have to learn? Why isn't he not the teacher? Is he not the one that stepped in and taught so many? But this passage of Scripture is very, very clear that Jesus uh, did four things. And I want to give you those four things as we talk about this mindset of discipleship. Of how can you and I be a disciple in Jesus Christ. Number one, a disciple postures himself for growth. A disciple postures himself for growth. In Luke 2.40 and 52 it says, Jesus grew up maturing in physical strength and increasing in wisdom and the grace of god rested on him in skipping to 52 and it says and jesus kept on growing what we see here is we three we see three very specific words that are the ing words ing words that it's an ongoing process when you think of it when you see this it's a perfect progressive tense describing an action with past present and future implications so jesus didn't say he grew and he was done it says he was growing he was maturing he was increasing for us in our lives, oftentimes we think that we arrive, that we get to a place, and we just settle, and we're finally mature. Can I tell you today that you will never be mature until you stand face to face with Jesus Christ? And it won't be maturity based on your own recognizance. It's maturity based on Him making you whole, Him making you mature. He was and he, and is and will mature, increase and grow. When you don't embrace and sustain a posture of growth, you simultaneously eliminate the benefits of growth. When you don't align yourself with learning, when you don't align yourself in a posture to learn, to grow, again, the older I get, that phrase, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. Anybody heard that phrase before? The older you get, can you find yourself stuck in your ways? A little? How many will be honest to say you're stuck in your ways a little bit? Old or young? Young? You're stuck in the process, what's comfortable, what you know. Can I tell you, Jesus never came to a place of comfort and settling. He was maturing, growing, increasing. That's a posture that we need to adopt in our lives. A posture of growth doesn't have an expiration date. A posture of growth doesn't come and go, I have to grow until I'm 50 and then after 50 I don't have to. I have to grow until I retire and then after I retire I don't have to grow anymore. This process of life, this process of discipleship takes place from day one until you die. Day one of salvation until you die that you are called to be a learner and called to be a multiplier of learning. First one, a disciple postures for growth. Number two, a disciple prioritizes areas of growth. What are you prioritizing in your areas of growth? What time are you putting in and investing in growth? And what are you focusing on? Can I tell you, it's so easy when you're in education, when you step into education, and when you step in to get a degree, your priority of growth is knowledge. Your priority of growth is to get good grades, is to write a paper, is to read a book. But can I tell you what's superior to all those areas of priority, whether it's, whether it's learning as in, in real life or just living life, there are five, four areas that Jesus speaks about that he prioritizes, that scripture speaks about. It says, and Jesus kept on growing in wisdom. Everyone say wisdom. wisdom. He kept on growing in physical stature. Everyone say physical stature. physical stature. He kept on growing in favor with God. Everyone say favor with God. favor with God. And he kept on growing in favor with others. Everyone say favor with others. Wisdom. You know, when we step into this mindset of prioritizing areas of growth, we need to come and go, how am I mentally preparing myself for growth? Where's the wisdom coming from? What am I reading? What am I listening to? What am I aspiring to? What am I allowing to challenge my mindset, whether it's good or bad? How many know that even in learning, you want to necessarily, not necessarily read everything that's all what you think? Have you ever read outside of your scope of believing? Sometimes we need to read out of our scope of believing to challenge what we Believe. To affirm what we believe. And you're saying, Well, Pastor Kevin, are you telling me to go read things that are evil? No, I want you to read things that are gonna challenge you. That's gonna challenge your faith. That's gonna bring a solidity to go. No, this is what I know Jesus is. Mentally, physically, in stature, he grew. Spiritually, this relation it was favor with God, this relationship with God. It wasn't just a knowledge. If we want to talk about knowledge, Jesus knew everything about God. Jesus didn't need to learn about God. Jesus was God. And it says he grew in favor with God. Can I tell you what I really think was taking place here? Was the humanity side of Jesus was understanding the relationship side of God. He was coming to a place of going, I I can function in relationship with him because I am God, but how can I function with him in relationship because I am human? And favor with God as we step into this. How are you functioning in relationship with God? Socially, favor with others, influence and depth. Jesus says that he grew in these areas, four platforms of our lives that we need to step back as a disciple. and We need to prioritize those. How do you prioritize those? What does that look like practically in your life? Number one, maybe you come and you listen to a sermon and you listen to the wisdom from someone else or you acquire wisdom from a a book or you acquire wisdom from a podcast. You allow it to challenge you and you allow it to grow you and you question it. You roll it over in your head and you try to figure out, is this true, is this not true? Study to show yourselves approved a workman who what? Rightly handles the word of truth. Physically, we need to Treat our bodies as temples of the Holy Spirit. We need to not grow this way. We need to grow in healthy stature. Spiritually, favor with God, coming back to this place of going, I don't want to just have knowledge. I want to have relationship. I don't want to just know about God. I want to walk with God. I want his walking with me to change me. And then socially, can I tell you how important it is important to have people in your life to have people in your life that question you, to have people in your life that challenge you, to have people in your life that ask you the hard questions. Can I tell you, if you've isolated yourself, which we were forced to isolate during the pandemic, but can I, I look across this room today and I see people that have isolated themselves in little small units of friends that have no broadness to them. Can I tell you, it's the challenge of people in rubbing shoulders and people in, in, in the church, in the world, that challenge us to grow in favor with people. It's our life that's impacting them. Number three, a disciple embraces practices for growth. Luke chapter two, verse 46, he says this, after three days of separation, they finally found him sitting among the group of religious leaders in the temple, asking them questions and listening to their answers. I noticed three things in this verses of Scripture. Jesus had a place to go. Jesus had a place to go. Can I tell you, the pandemic has created a mindset that I don't need to be in the house of God. It's created a mindset that I don't even necessarily need to watch it on TV. I want to encourage you today. You need to have a place to go that you're hearing the wisdom of God, that you're hearing the anointed preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You need to have a place to go that you're listening and hearing Jesus had a people to grow from. I love this fact that he's asking questions and he's curious about all that's going on and taking place. But he had a place to go that he could learn from. Yeah, there's a people that were above him, and there's probably people below him that he could teach. Can I tell you, a healthy disciple is being discipled and discipling. A healthy disciple is one who is learning and one who is teaching. Jesus had a process to grow in. He came and he asked those questions. He heard, he thought, he learned, he became. And if Jesus himself, the Son of God, grew, how much more do we need to grow? Number four, a disciple knows the purpose of growth. A disciple knows the purpose of growth. While Jesus is asking these questions and he's listening in the temple, his parents show up And they're offended. Anybody ever lose a kid someplace? Anybody ever wish you could lose your kid someplace? (laughs) And they're mad. They're upset. They're going, Jesus, it's been three stinking days. Where have you been? They had called the authorities. They had sent out the, the Amber Alert, all the different stuff. No Jesus to be found, and all of a sudden they show up in the temple probably to pray for guidance, and there Jesus is. And Jesus says in Luke 2.49, he says this. Why did you need to look for me? Didn't you know that I must be working for my father, and my father or in my father's house? Neither Mary or Joseph really understood what he meant. How many have discovered that when you step into discipleship or you step into learning or you step into faithfully attendance of church or a Bible study, that oftentimes people on the outside don't understand what you're doing. Oftentimes they criticize you going, why are you spending so much time doing that? You could be doing this and this and this. Jesus' mom and dad did not understand what Jesus was doing. But can I tell you in this passage of scripture, Jesus is declaring he knows the purpose of discipleship. He knows the purpose of why he's here to be trained and to be taught. We don't hear a lot about Jesus' life. We see a lot about his birth and we see a lot about his ministry. But 30 years of his life seems to be absent in scripture. Am I correct? All we see is Luke chapter 2 verses forty through 52, that describes this process of Jesus' growth. And Jesus comes and says, I understand the purpose of discipleship. I understand the purpose of why I'm here. I understand the purpose of what I'm doing. And it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks of me. Can I tell you that that, this, this point is for someone in this room? This point, if you hear no other point, is for you to step in and go, People may not understand my desire or my need to know God. They may not know, they may not understand or even understand my need to learn about God. But I know my purpose. I know my purpose. My purpose is to be a learner. My purpose is to help others learn. As we come to the conclusion, I want to challenge you today. Don't lose sight of your purpose. When we step back and we think about a disciple as a Christ follower, don't be stalled in your growth. Don't be deceived by the Gentiles' way of thinking. Everything that Jesus taught was counter to our culture today. And I will say this if you, as a believer in Christ Jesus, as a disciple of Jesus Christ, if you are aligning, with the, counter cult, with the culture of today more than you're aligning with the culture of Jesus, you're an unhealthy Christian. You're an unhealthy disciple of Jesus Christ. If you're buying into the way of this world more than the way of Jesus, you're unhealthy. Colossians chapter 2, verse 7. I'm reading now the Living Bible, I like the way that it's phrased. It says, let your roots grow down into him and draw up nourishment from him. See that you go on growing. Everyone say, go on growing. See that you go on growing in the Lord and become strong and vigorous in the truth that you were taught. I think what's sad to me, and I'm gonna maybe step on a few people here, maybe a lot of people here, but I'm gonna be really truthful with you. What I've noticed throughout the pandemic but what I even noticed prior to the pandemic is that the older a Christian becomes the less vigorous they become. I'm not talking physically. I'm not talking stamina. I'm talking spiritually. And I want to ask you today something that the Holy Spirit has challenged me with. Kevin, are you going to be a mother and father in Israel? Are you going to be someone that's vigorous For my kingdom until you die? Can I tell you that there's times throughout the pandemic, throughout the trial that Rhonda and I have been going through, that my vigor and faith has been challenged? It's been stymied, it's been stalled. And I want to come and I want to say, God, I don't want to be stalled. You may be going through a sickness in your home, you may be going through a physical ailment in your life, you may be challenged at a season in life where Kids are one place and you're another. But can I tell you today, your vigor for God should never die. I want to remind you today, let your roots grow down deep into him, drawing up the nourishment from him. Go on growing in the Lord and become strong and vigorous. Be strong and vigorous where you're planted. Don't try to find a place to be strong and vigorous. Be strong and vigorous where you are. A disciple prioritizes gathering. A disciple prioritizes serving. A a disciple prioritizes reaching the lost. A disciple prioritizes fellowship and pursuing relationships. A disciple prioritizes learning and daily pursuing opportunities to grow. A disciple prioritizes worship and is daily living a God-honoring life. Can I tell you today, does that define you today? Does that define you today? If it doesn't, can I tell you this is not a sermon to smack your hand. It's a sermon that's coming and going, wake up, stir yourself. How do you become vigorous in Jesus today? Most important question I want to ask, I'm not going to ask the rest of these, but I want to ask this one. If growing people change, how would you measure your spiritual growth? If growing people change, how would you measure your spiritual growth? Has your faith gotten deeper? Has your intimacy with God gotten sweeter? Has your commitment to relationships overcome your commitment to yourself? Can I tell you oftentimes what happens in our lives is we get to a place and we go, I'm done growing, I'm comfortable, I'm going to heaven. And the goal for your life is to be vigorous in Jesus, vigorous in him. Would you stand to your feet? I want to pray over you this morning. As you consider this question today, as you evaluate your heart and evaluate your life, as you might be licking your wounds this morning, and some of you honestly may be even struggling with not being offended, I want to ask you this question Are you changing and are you growing? Have you become content? with where you're at? Are you satisfied with where you're at? Heavenly Father, across this room, online today, God, there are so many different circumstances and different situations. And God, when you call us to a place of discipleship, Jesus' words were even offensive to his disciples that you must hate your mother and your father, your children. You must hate the things of this world and love him even more. God, today, those words still ring into our lives, ring into this society, ring in the heart of Jesus that you must hate all of these things and love him more. And God, today, we are presented with a choice to pick up our cross and to follow you. God, we're we're confronted with this choice to am I going to live for myself or am I going to live for eternity? With your heads bowed and your eyes closed this morning, how many would lift your hand to say, I'm determined to be a better learner? I'm determined to be a better learner. God, today we come lifting our hands, saying, God, we want to learn of you. We want to learn of your ways. Not only do we want to learn of, our, of your ways, but God, we want to conform to your ways. Not only do we want to conform to your ways, but God, we want to be a multiplier of your ways. Holy Spirit, today, would you solidify in our hearts, in our lives, in our minds, this message? God, that saved people, grow and change. Those that have encountered the life-giving touch of the Holy Spirit, grow and change. God, we put off the old and we put on the new. And we thank you for it today. God, I pray that we would be recognized as people who are disciples of Jesus Christ. God, that we would live our life in such a fashion. God, that it multiplies to others. God, we thank you for it today in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen, amen. God bless you. Thanks for coming. We'll see you next Sunday. Our prayer team is coming across the front if you need someone to pray with you. Maybe you need someone to pray with you about, about discipleship. Maybe you need someone to pray with you today about even finding Jesus or recommitting your life to him. These individuals can do so. God bless you. See you next week. Here at Relevant Life Church, it's our mission to see people connect with God, relate to one another, and reach our world. This single statement drives everything we do as a church. Our hope is that today you were encouraged in this. Thank you for joining us and have a blessed day.